0: Hey guys, if you're an avid listener of Young and Profiting Podcast, I'd like to personally invite you to Yap Society on Slack. It's a community where listeners network and give us feedback on the show. Vote on episode titles, chat live with guests, and share your projects with the group. We'd love to have you. Go to bit.ly B-I-T slash Society. That's bit.ly slash Society. You can find the link in our show notes. This episode of YAP is sponsored by Fiverr, a marketplace that over 5 million entrepreneurs use to grow their business. I've been using Fiverr for years. In fact, I got the YAP logo made on there, and if you've seen my cool audiograms with animated cartoons, I get those images from Fiverr too. They have affordable services like graphic design, web design, digital marketing, whiteboard explainer videos, programming, video editing, audio editing, and much more. They have over 100,000 talented freelancers to choose from, and it's super affordable. Prices just start at $5. If you're interested to give Fiverr a shot, hit the link in our show notes. And if you'd rather learn how to do these types of services on your own, check out Fiverr Learn, a new platform that provides on-demand professional courses from leading experts. They start at just $20, but what you could learn is priceless. Check out the links in our show notes to learn more. You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. I'm your host, Halataha, and today we're speaking with Claude Silver, the world's first chief heart officer at Media, Gary V's digital media agency. Claude owns the onboarding, recruitment, retention, and graduation of all the employees at the company. She has over 20 years of Fortune 50 corporate experience and is known for leading with her heart and emotional optimism. She's a top voice in the HR space, and in this episode, we'll dive into how she's able to be in touch with every heartbeat at her company, as well as her take on creating a healthy company culture and how she deals with onboarding and letting employees go. Hi, Claude. Welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's lovely to have you on the show. We've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time, so welcome. You are an incredibly powerful woman. For my listeners who might not be aware, you're the second in line at Media, which is Gary Vee's uber-successful media agency. Could you start by telling us, as the first-ever Chief Heart Officer, which is your title, what do you do and what do you consider as your area of expertise?
1: Terrific, yes. So as Chief Heart Officer here, my job is to take care of every single employee. And I consider Heart as the central operating system of a human being, and human beings the central operating system of a company or a culture. Hmm. So I oversee everything that is normally called HR. We call it people and experience, because after all, that is what we're doing here, people and experience. Mm -hmm. And I also oversee learning and development DI initiatives, culture initiatives, everything like that. So, my job is all encompassing people operations, I would call it. I'm in the business of people, which I love. So, that is the job, and I spend my day in a lot of one on one meetings, getting to know people, re meeting people, whether or not they're reaching out to me proactively or I reach out to them. Mm-hmm. I'm in leadership meetings, we're trying to move the needle here, there, and everywhere, whether or not that's in process or that's in training or that's in refining what it is we do. That's what I'm doing.
0: That's very cool. So how would you say that your chief heart officer role is really different than a traditional CHRO?
1: For one, I was never in HR. And so it would be really odd for me to say that I was actually a CHRO, having been a strategist my entire life. Mm. I want to honor all the CHROs out there because I didn't grow up in that way. I didn't grow up with rules and regulations and being compliance experts and whatnot. I grew up Mm -hmm. in creative agencies working on awesome strategies on a global level. So that's really kind of like base, right? The other way is that my job here, unlike a lot of CHROs, is the people. Mm. It is the people. In fact, the only job description I have and that I ever received from Gary is the following, to touch every single employee and infuse the agency with heart. (laughs) So that's the job description. And I figure out how to do that every single day because every day is different because I'm dealing with people and life. And what I'm looking at are patterns. I'm collecting a lot of information from people looking at patterns and then making changes or helping people connect the dots, remove roadblocks for themselves. So I would actually call myself or consider myself like an uber coach Mm -hmm. or a Sherpa, if you will. And all I want to do is turn people into champions and turn people into heroes and ignite other leaders to do the same.
0: Yeah. So it seems like VaynerMedia was the first company to really have this concept of a chief heart officer. Have you seen this trend taking off elsewhere? Like, have you started a trend? I see that there's a lot of interest for sure. And I see more chief people officers
1: Mm. coming up in the arenas, whether or not that's in London or whether or not that's here in America. So that's wonderful. And I'm not quite sure what chief people officers do. I haven't really ever sat down with one yet, but I hope to soon and really figure out what our differences are, what our similarities are. Mm -hmm. So I really truly believe that we are not only in the, the age of information, but we are really, really moving into this age of heart, of emotional intelligence, intuition. And with that said, I believe that humanity and my hope is that we bring humanity back into our workplaces. Now you can ask me hey Claude was humanity ever in our workplaces. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but my mission is to bring it back to spread this idea that it is not the brain and IQ which connects us it's the heart and the EQ and connection and belonging which keeps us not only on our toes, it keeps us in community. and keeps us wanting to strive to be better individuals and better as teams.
0: Totally. So let's talk about your career at VaynerMedia. From my understanding, you started off as a senior VP for Gary. You ran account and strategy, and then you actually quit. And you came back to the company later on. Could you just share that story with our listeners? You know, why did you initially leave the company and what made you go back?
1: It's a great story. So I had been doing strategy, as I mentioned, for a very long time on a global level. And a year into my career here at VaynerMedia, it just dawned on me that I I literally lost the passion to do the selling. I just lost it. It wasn't interesting anymore to me to discuss the copy on an ad or how we were going to reach a certain target. Mm -hmm. And I only, only wanted to work and grow teams. So I went to Gary on my one year anniversary, is what we call it. (laughs) And I said, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. And I really think I'm done here. I really think I'm done and I'm not interested in this work. And you're terrific. And this place is great. And, you know, Godspeed. And he said, in his wonderful way, what is it that you want to do? What do you want to do? Because that's who he is. He's such a giver, you know. And I said, I only care about the heartbeat of this place. I only care about the people. And he said, cool, I need you to do this for 18 more months. And I said, I don't have 18 more months. And we went our own ways. And over the next six months, I found a backfill who was wonderful. She's here and still here, and she's amazing. And I went in and I resigned, and it really gut punched him because he didn't see it happening, he didn't see it coming, and you know we had such a great relationship. And I, I think in hindsight, you know, I didn't, I didn't give him enough of a heads up, which of course I would want to, and I would tell anyone to going forward. Mm-hmm. But I left, and we had a wonderful, incredible conversation, and in that conversation, even though it was very painful, he said, I don't want us to be like those friends in college that disappear from each other's lives, and you just remember 20, 30 years later, like, God, I really, really loved hanging out with that person.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I'll never forget he said that to me. Anyway, I went about my business and my life, and four months later, we had breakfast together, and... We sat down and he said, that's it. You're coming back as chief heart officer. And I was like, great, I'm in. Count me in. Like, how do we know if I'm successful? And that's when he gave me the remit of touching every employee and infusing the agency with empathy.
0: That's incredible. What a nice story. And it just goes to show how giving heart from the company really starts at the top at your company. Gary seems to be like such a giver, such a genuine person. And then he's given you this great mission that is probably very motivating to everybody who works at VaynerMedia. That's exceptional. How can others like replicate what you've done in terms of creating such a meaningful relationship with the top person at the company that you worked for? What is it that you do that helps you connect with somebody on level of Gary Vee who has everybody wants his attention all hours of the day? So like, how did you foster such a meaningful relationship?
1: Well, First and foremost, when we met, which was in August of 2013, I was living in London at the time. When we met, we had just a dynamic chemistry. It was almost as though we were meeting each other's brother or sister. Mm. And so we just happened to have that energy together. However, to really answer the question, my job has always been to make my boss's job easier. And how do I do that? How do I provide value is either by asking, anticipating, Doing it, doing what I think is the right move, and then being told, like, yes, that was the right move more, or no, don't do that next time. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, giving that senior leader or that CEO information. And that is literally what helps our relationship continue to thrive. Because my role was set up to scale him, period. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: To scale him. Because he is the CHO, let's be honest. He's the CCO, he's the CEO, he's the chief operating officer. He's all of those things, it's his company. But you can't be in all those places at once and we're at such a magnitude of people now. And when he gave me this role, we were already at a magnitude. That what does he need? He needs information. He wants to know how are we doing? How is this culture doing? What is going on on the floor? What are people saying? How are people thriving? Are people being too subjective these days when it comes to creative reviews? You know, name it. So giving your CEO or your C-suite or your leaders information, I think is the best thing you can do aside from taking things off of their plate
0: that's very good advice previously you were just saying that Gary gave you the mission to be in touch with the heartbeat of every single person at the company based on our research last we checked you had about 800 employees is that about right that's correct so how are you able to connect with every person that's a lot of people it's a
1: lot of people I have had to learn how to scale myself and in scaling myself I have to trust people to be their own culture champion, if you will. Mm -hmm. The thing about Gary and the thing about me is that we are not micromanagers. We trust first. We give trust first. And in doing that, I believe that allows people to spread their wings and take it upon themselves to inspire and take care of others. Mm. I truly, truly believe that. We've been around 10 years now. There are people, employee one, two, and three are still with us. Mm. There's a bunch of us that have been here four, five, six years. So those of us that have been around for so long, we get it. We understand we don't drink the Kool-Aid, we drink the water. And in doing that, I can trust people to spread positivity, to spread the optimism, to spread collaboration and patience and gratitude and generosity, just as I would. And I have an incredible team that does that. And that each person on my team oversees anywhere from 50 to 120 people. Mm-hmm. And what I mean oversees serves them, takes care of them.
0: Yeah, you call those culture carriers? Is that what you're referring to?
1: Well, no, the people on my team who are actually on the People and Experience team are HR business partners. That's what they would be called anywhere else. Mm. So I have them, but then the culture champions or the culture carriers are these other people that have spent enormous amounts of time already with Gary or with me mm-hmm. and get it. And I can trust them. And in fact, today, perfect example, someone came in my office, he's been here 45 days. He's loving it. he's in the honeymoon period. <laughs> and I asked him, has he met anyone else outside of his team? And he hadn't. So I wrote an email to 10 people I know I can trust. And I said, Hey, I want to introduce you to my new friend. This is what he does so forth. And so on, please take 15 minutes to go on a walk, get a coffee with him." And already the emails came in. Hey man, I'll set up some time. Hey, I'll set up some time with you. That's amazing. Yeah. Right there is how I scale. So imagine me doing that and knowing I can do that in any office. I travel to the other offices. I'm on Skype. I'm on Google Hangouts. I do culture jam sessions when I'm in any other office, you know, getting people together. So there are tons of different ways I do that organically. And the role is very high touch. And we at Vayner are still very high touch. We don't use a lot of tech Mm -hmm. yet to reach out and touch people in terms of quantifying. So, yeah, that's how I scale. And I mean, I'm always reaching out and saying hey to someone.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I've listened to other interviews you've had and other things that you've said. And from my understanding, you really try to understand everyone's motivations and problems and dreams. And in summary, I think that you try to just keep everybody happy. And research proves that happy employees are more productive. You've also mentioned in past interviews that speed is the main KPI at your company. So how do Does keeping employees happy, all the connections that you make, how does that actually move the needle in terms of productivity and driving business benefits for VaynerMedia?
1: That's a great question. I think not only am I trying to keep everyone happy, I think the way I would say it is creating a culture of belonging and bravery is really what I'm doing every day. Mm -hmm. And within that culture you can find fulfillment, satisfaction, happiness. Because I'm not able to keep everyone happy. That would be incredible if I could, but I can't. (laughs) But I can can make sure that people feel like they belong and they are recognized. And that goes a heck of a long way, I believe. And so when people first company, paying attention to what people are going through inside and outside of work, giving them growth and development opportunities, giving them at-bats, all of those things, inspire them to be the best that they can possibly be they're learning hard skills and they're learning life skills and because we're an empathetic lot over here what is our main priority as an agency is to reach consumers in an empathetic way
2: Mm.
1: there's a real synergy that goes on there but bottom line if you are good to people they will want to work hard for you and in working hard that helps our bottom and
0: top line Totally. Something related to this is you've talked about the difference between time management and energy management. Could you explain that to our listeners? I sure can. So time management is keeping yourself on schedule, knowing that
1: you need to do five different big tasks throughout the day and you have an eight to nine hour day and you're going to have to fit all that in and it stresses you out because, yes, more tasks, some tasks take more time and we multitask and we get all out of sync. We all do it. Mm -hmm. Energy management is different. It is being aware of what's going on inside of you, how you feel when you do what. When is your best time during the day to be most motivated? When should you have client calls because you feel alert and on top of the ball? When is it better to write emails? And that's you checking in with yourself. No one else can do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. I can help someone manage their time. That I can do. I can help someone with a task. But energy management is a wonderful way to become more self-aware. And that really is like, okay, I'm going to give myself two hours to do this next task. And then I know I'm going to be really drained. So I'm going to get up. I'm going to take a walk on the high line. I'm going to get a coffee. I'm going to go to lunch. You're going to reward yourself. And what do those rewards do? They ultimately give you more energy.
0: Oh, that's very interesting. I like the concept that you say, like there's certain tasks that you're better at. For example, I've read in the past that at 4 p.m., 5 p.m., that's when you're most creative. So whenever I have something really creative to do, I always, like, block out my 4 to 5 p.m. slot. Wow. And email is something that a lot of people like to do, like, first thing when they get in and just knock it out so they're not distracted all day by it. Yeah. So it's very good advice. Cool, cool, cool. So there's a phrase that comes up a lot in relationship work, and it's building the honey empire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? Tell us about that. Yeah, the
1: honey empire is really the ethos that we have behind putting people first. So people, not profit. Another way I say it is kindness before KPI. So honey is what is normally called soft skills. It's the emotional intelligence. It's the what I call life skills. It's the collaboration, communication, understanding that you work for a logo, understanding that this isn't about making yourself the hero, it's about making everyone the hero or the champion. That's the honey part. And that pays dividends to the empire. And the empire is the success, is the profitability, is the happy clients, is the fact that we've surprised, delighted and touched our consumers. That's the empire. So honey comes first, though, and that is literally like the kindness, the sincerity, the radical candor, even the tough love, you know, that all is honey because chief heart officer. It sounds awfully sticky and sweet, doesn't it? It's not. That's My job is to be real with people. And that's mm-hmm. why I said it's not really to spread happiness. It's really to help people through their roadblocks, identifying things about themselves that they want to get clearer on teaching self awareness. And in turn, that then creates a stronger human being. Mm. And a stronger human being is going to help this company be more successful.
0: Yeah. So apart from your work across the marketing and media ecosystem, you also co-founded and served as managing director at Girls Adventure Out, which is a woman's focused outdoor adventure enterprise that's very different than, you know, your day job. (laughs) So how did you get involved with that and how does it help you in any capacity in your current role?
1: Well, the funny thing is I was coaching surfing 275 days a week. Oh, wow. uh, days a year I'm sorry and so I was in the Pacific Ocean pushing people in cold cold water all day long and I'm coaching people here that's who I am internally is a coach I'm a cheerleader a roll your sleeves up type of person and being in the outdoors is something that really makes me come alive whether or not it's rock climbing or snowboarding or wakeboarding or surfing and those things inspire me and so to take that energy of inspiration and come into a place like this where there's 800 people that it is my job to make sure i'm reaching out to well i need that juice i also need inspiration and that's how i get it by pushing myself in certain ways by coaching other people outside of a you know, four walls type of place so yeah. it's a real nice relationship
0: Yeah, and it probably gives you such like a full life to have both your career and then something that's more like passion related because you love the wilderness, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I love being outside.
0: Let's talk about that a bit. So when you were young, you decided, in your words, not mine, that you needed your butt kicked (laughs) and you went on a 90-day journey in the wilderness. So tell us about that story. What made you want to do that? What were you like as a young kid that you felt like you needed to have this journey to find yourself?
1: Yeah, I was 19 and I had gone to university for two years. I wasn't doing well. I was going nowhere fast. I didn't have options for myself. I didn't have enough self-love, quite frankly, and self-confidence in my own abilities. Mm. And I left after my sophomore year and I told my parents, I need to find the longest outward bound and I need to get my butt kicked. And I did. I found a 93-day course and it kicked my butt. It did, but it did so much more. I mean, it gave me confidence. It gave me physical strength, emotional strength. It taught me skills that I didn't know I even had inside of me. And Ultimately, it created a servant leader out of me, and that is who I am today. So I'm so grateful that I knew enough, I really did. I knew enough to say to my parents, I should not be going to school right now. This is not gonna work out well for me. And that was a pivotal, pivotal turning point in my life.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I also dropped out of college for a short period of time and went back. I did it to like work at a radio station, do all these like fun things. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important for my listeners to know it's okay to take a pause from school like you do not need to do college in four years like you can still be successful and not do college in four years and you might be more successful because you'll probably be more mature when you return get better grades whatever it is and actually be ready for schooling so definitely keep that in mind if you're in college you don't need to graduate in four years everybody has their own path Switching gears a bit, something that's pretty well known about you is your sexual orientation. So you came out as a lesbian when you were 22. At first, you weren't open about it in your professional life at work. But now you're very open about it. You speak about it all the time. So how is that shift like? And how has being more open and transparent helped you as an effective leader? Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash profiting.
1: Yeah. So living authentically is super important to me. And in my early twenties, when I was at work or even into my early 30s, that was a part of me that I kept back, even though I was in San Francisco. So I mean, like, hello, one of the most liberal cities in the world, filled with all different types of people. I didn't get the signals at work that it was okay to share that part of me. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, but I would after I left work. and. I just recognized at some point as I became older and I became more experienced in life and more experienced in the working world, like no one really cares.
2: Mm.
1: No one really cares. And if someone cares, then that's not the person I want to hang out with. So I found that the more and more I started to share my whole self, people really found inspiration and appreciation with that. And then, of course, when I came to VaynerMedia, I was one of the oldest people here, that's the first thing, Mm. and I was already at a place where I was like, well, I'm just me, so hello. (laughs) And being Chief Heart Officer, I mean, my whole mantra is creating a culture of belonging and bravery and making sure that people feel like they can bring their whole selves to work, so, well, I sure have to show up like that. And it's just so wonderful to not have that monkey on your back, whatever the monkey is, you know, like... I oversee diversity and inclusivity and by overseeing meaning like it's my job, is my responsibility at the end of the day and the beginning of the day to make sure that people feel physically and psychologically safe here and that there is a place for them. And that means whether or not it's race, ethnicity, religious, sexuality, seen and unseen handicaps diversity of thinking like that is what I'm doing and what I'm looking at every day and I have to walk that walk Mm -hmm. and I do it badly it's not a second thought I don't think twice about it and I haven't for years and years so my recommendation is remember no one really cares people are very consumed with themselves Mm -hmm. and so just do you and in being you you're going to lighten your load by tenfold and just be a happier person
0: Yeah, that's wonderful advice. I totally agree. Previously, you lightly mentioned these unseen disabilities and I know that you struggled with dyslexia when you were growing up. You had to take the SATs 3 times for example and there's lots of famous people who have dyslexia too like Tom Cruise, Richard Branson, who's the founder of Virgin Atlantic, but they credit dyslexia for their success. <laughs> How has having dyslexia helped you in areas like grit or empathy and understanding people and their problems?
1: Yeah, I credit dyslexia for everything I do because it forced me to learn the world in a different way. Absolutely, I couldn't rely on the same skills that my brother could. I couldn't rely on the same way to learn as my friends could in school. I didn't retain information the way they did and I certainly didn't take tests the way they did. So I had to learn how to find success in different ways. I had to learn confidence in different ways. And I found that for example, being in the outdoors. I'm an experiential learner, so I have to get my hands dirty in order to learn something. And I wouldn't be half as successful at this job, A, had I not had dyslexia, but B, had I not really done everything I have done in my life to understand people and human behavior, whether or not that was my own human behavior whether or not that was working in a psych ward, Mm. whether or not that was volunteering at the hospital, whether or not that was teaching ropes courses for C-suite in Silicon Valley, you you name it. And my passion is people. I'm very curious about our behavior and the stories that we tell ourselves and our limiting beliefs. So all of that stuff goes into my toolkit every single day And again, had I not had to learn a different way of seeing the world, I wouldn't be here. And my secret sauce is that I'm able to identify patterns very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that helps my intuition that much more.
0: That's very interesting. The thing that really stands out for me in this conversation is that your weaknesses can very often become your greatest strengths. And I see that time and time and time again, when I have conversations with very successful people, it's often what you think might be a weakness, it turns out to be something that really helps you along the way. So very cool so I just want to pause and mention that I think it's really noble of you to talk about these invisible qualities nobody would know unless you made it public both your sexual orientation and dyslexia it's not something you could just tell about a person from the outside so the fact that you're so open about it I'm sure has motivated and helped so many people overcome similar challenges so you are a true role model and you should be very proud thank you very much so let's switch topics a bit and and talk about like company culture, onboarding, employee engagement, and things like that. How do you guys typically onboard your employees at VaynerMedia?
1: I'm really proud of what we do. We take every single employee, whether or not you are the CFO or you are a copywriter or community manager, through a four-day orientation. And you sit with everyone. So We have new starters, we have new joiners every single week. And in New York, for example, we might have anything from six to 25 new people join. Mm -hmm. And you are all of a sudden put into community. And in these four days, you are getting our secret sauce. Subject matter experts from every different discipline come in and talk to you for half an hour to an hour and tell you what we're about. And so you start to hear how we think about things. How, you know, why are we an entrepreneurial company? Where did we start? Why do we see media differently today? Why do we see marketing differently? Why do we have our own production studio? What do we do in that production studio? And so you're starting to learn a good smattering of things that we do here. You get to meet not only your new cohort, but you get to meet these people that are coming in and talking to you so you all of a sudden you're like oh when I pass that person in the hall great I remember that person taught me about Facebook ads Mm -hmm. and you have an association and you go to lunch with new buddies every single day and then the late afternoon you sit with your new team whatever that is if you're on the client service team you go ahead and you sit with whatever account you're on so forth and so on and so it's really awesome I believe what we do here. It's four days, and I've been at many companies. Now, mind you, those companies were publicly owned, mm-hmm. but I've been at many companies where you just watch a video from the CEO and that's it. Goodbye. Yep. And you're like, I am okay. I, Here's I your computer. Uh, Good luck. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I don't even know where the bathroom is. And this is just so different. I mean, they get an office tour. They go to our other offices. And so this happens in every office, whether or not you're in the Chattanooga office, the London office, it's soon gonna happen in our Singapore office. So very, very stoked on that. And it, my team oversees that because it is about people and experience. And then we bring in these subject matter experts and you know, I'll spend a half an hour with them on culture and what is a CHO and what do we do and why is it different and how you're gonna work with me and how you're gonna work with the team and what do you do if you have a need and so forth and so on
0: yeah and then I'm assuming the people who are you know presenting about their departments they're volunteers oh yeah
1: absolutely they're volunteers and it's funny that you ask I just sent a note out to the creative team today looking for new volunteers
0: Yeah, it just goes to show the culture because that money company is, you know, people would not like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to speak to these new people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, by the way, it's not utopia here. They definitely go through those groans when I send something out like that. But I just remind them like, well, you started once upon a time. What would it have been like if no one showed up in that room for you? Yeah. You wouldn't have liked it. It's just that's more and more empathy again. Like, remember what it's like.
0: Yeah. So what other activities do you organize for your employees? Do you have special activities for employee engagement that you coordinate? Yeah.
1: So we have these community resource groups, or sometimes they're called affinity groups or ERGs. Mm -hmm. And those have been started organically. And whether or not that is the Dungeons and Dragons group, whether or not that is the Amigos group that was set up by people that identify as Latinx and do Hispanic marketing, there's a group for people that identify as black, for Asian, there's the pride group, of course, there's the running club, there's the sneakerheads club. So there are probably 80 different clubs, we call them squads, Mm -hmm. that you can join that are open to anyone and everyone. You don't have to just like Dungeons and Dragons, you can go check it out. You know what I mean? We do wine Mm -hmm. Wednesdays. So of course, Gary started in the wine business. So every office does its own Version of Wine Wednesday. Obviously in .LA. or Chattanooga, you're driving, so we've modified that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> different offices have mindfulness, meditation, yoga, Tai Chi. depending on, again, what the ask has been, you know, globally, we have a partnership with Classpass. We use different meditation apps. So there's a lot, there's a lot of trainings. We have lunch and learns from all of the platforms. We have people come in and help people understand their student loans and all that stuff. So we look at the holistic human being, quite frankly, and find ways in which we can aid and really reach out and touch those different parts of a human. Because it's not just when you come in here at nine and when you leave here at six. I mean, life is more than the working day.
0: Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Totally. I would definitely encourage all of our listeners, if you work at a company that has ERGs, which are employee resource groups or you know whatever your company calls them, to get involved. I actually was the president of the Young Employee Network when I worked at HP. I started my chapter and it was just so much fun and it gives you such great leadership skills. And it's definitely something that like if you want to be a leader, you're on the younger side, it's a great way to like get exposure with leaders at your company and also lead a group of people with similar interests. So I would definitely recommend getting involved. So how do you deal with an employee that is underperforming? How do you have those tough conversations? Yeah,
1: so the way we do it here is a couple different ways. So what we are really encouraging are managers and leaders to have very candid feedback meetings in their one-on-ones. And we use the Radical Candor Steps, the Kim Scott book. I've just vaynerized it a bit, but I've taught Radical Candor feedback training now to every single employee here. And now we're going through it again. And so what we're asking our managers and leaders to do is really find ways to give people professional, kind, very specific feedback frequently not waiting three months not waiting until their annual review certainly as immediate as you possibly can because people are looking to develop now if you've ever been in a scenario where you are going and terminating someone and they all of a sudden look at you and say i've never received this feedback well you'll know that that's pretty much the worst thing ever
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and i've been in those meetings and so we never want to get to that place so we're going to put people on performance plans when It's needed. 30-day performance plans with action steps. You check in on those people, and there might come a day where it's time to say goodbye, because that happens. It's a business, and so that could be for poor performance. That could be for other reasons, and what we do on the back end, which I'm so proud of, is that because Gary's network is so vast and so far-reaching, is in those meetings, we know if we're letting go of someone named Sam, and Sam happens to really Really love video or long-form video. We may already say to Sam in that meeting. You know what? We can get you at least Your first interview at Netflix or we can get you into ABC for your first networking opportunity Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So the point of the story is we want people to stay here forever, right? That's just not gonna happen and so We do our best to give people feedback. We do our best to grow and develop them and to really get them to the level at which we need them to be playing at. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't.
0: Got it. Another topic that you're very passionate about is diversity and inclusion. I think that everybody has a slightly different take on that. So, What is your perspective on diversity, inclusion, and what are you doing at VaynerMedia to be more inclusive?
1: Right. So my perspective is if you're not thinking about this, then I would shut your doors immediately. I want to get to a place where we're not even using the word diversity. It's just the way it is, which is we live in a macrocosm where there are all different types of people. We need to recreate that in the microcosm, which are organizations. And as I mentioned before, diversity for me in creating a culture of belonging is the obvious diversity that we're talking about in terms of race creed ethnicity so forth and so on but that does bring in the seen and unseen handicaps that means that we're looking for people that have values that are not exactly like ours we want diverse thinking so ergs are very helpful the way we recruit is essential where we recruit is essential so not always going to the same school not always hiring interns that are coming from recommendations because a lot of times that might be skewed. Mm -hmm. And so doing job fairs, we had an incredible job fair here where Gary kicked it off. What we did was he spoke for 15 minutes and we had the one club come in and we made three hires out of that immediately. And we had every single conference room was set up as a speed dating place. And then that actual hiring manager ended up spending a half an hour more with each and every candidate. So it was awesome. And we have to be doing that. We just must be doing it. If you are nebulous about what your diversity strategy is, then people will become agitated and think that it's just, you're just not paying attention to it. So the ERGs, as I was mentioning, are really a big part of this right now, and we're just about to kick off some focus groups here in terms of looking at what we want to stand for from a global level now that we are in London four years, we're in Singapore now. how do we speak to diversity when you're talking about it on a global level, not just New York City or not just Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And it just goes way beyond the color of a person's skin, just way, way beyond. It's about the way people think, and that's essential.
0: Yeah. Do you think that millennials or Gen Z think differently about d D&I?
1: I do from the amount of time I spend with millennials and certainly my two nieces that are Gen Z. It's absolutely expected. I mean, in today's day and age, I think that millennials are people that probably don't see color as some of us see color or don't see difference as we see difference. Things are more fluid and that's incredible. I mean, these generations that we're talking about are changing the world. You look at a tragedy like Parkland and you look at how those kids stood up to our government that is incredible. And of course, yes, in the 60s, and you had that generation speaking out. So every generation stands for something. And I believe that the generations that are here today are looking for purposeful work. They're looking for feedback and growth. They're looking for make me proud that I work here. And all of these things encompass making sure that we're bringing, as I said earlier, the macrocosm into the microcosm. You know, there is such a work-life meld now. It's not separate. And so how do, you, how do you look at that whole person? You have to acknowledge the fact that there is life before and after that eight, nine-hour day. And that people are getting engaged. Someone's mom is in the hospital. Someone's cat died. Someone got married. Someone, you know, just ran the marathon. All of those things come into every single person's day mm-hmm. when they open the door here.
0: So a hot topic in HR is cognitive bias and like, you know, everybody's having cognitive bias training and things like that. Do you have any thoughts around that topic? And is there anything you want to share about how we should be aware of cognitive bias and what we should watch out for? The only thing
1: I need to share is really the training is so essential. We all need to be educated and to think that none of us are immune to bias or that I'm immune or you're immune it's just really not true. So I think we need to bring more training in. I think it's something we need to do in our interview process as we look at candidates and do our best to see each and every person as equal because really there's no difference between me and you. Quite frankly, I'm just older, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no difference between you and that person. I mean, he grew up in Connecticut and you grew up in Charlottesville. So that's that part of being empathetic and understanding that we really are the same. We all have the same aches and we all have the same pains and we all experience very similar joys. So being real about that and then being real with the fact that we need more training.
0: So what is one piece of advice that you would give to a millennial looking to succeed at work? Well,
1: I have a few different pieces of advice. The first thing...
0: Give them all. Yeah, the
1: first (laughs) thing is to, what I usually say, is take up space, which means, like, don't be a wallflower. Mm. Do not just sit there and be the note taker. Unless that is your job or someone has asked you to take the notes and do something with them, don't be a wallflower. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is... Ask as many questions and speak up because leaders today need to be listening a whole lot more, and they'll listen if you speak up. The other thing is don't be afraid and certainly don't think that you are dumb. Everyone is figuring things out. There is no one that is smarter than anyone else. I mean, there's this riddle, which is who's the smartest person in the room? And everyone looks around. Well, is it me? Is he going to say me or her? The fact is the room is the smartest person in the room. So it's all about learning from one another Hmm. and be open to that, ask questions, make sure that you're being heard,
0: add value, obviously. And if you don't know how to add value, ask. That's very good advice. I love that. Like, Be big take up space don't be a fly on the wall a lot of the times like especially if you're in a company where there's older workers you might close off in certain situations or if you're in a certain meeting that has like higher up executives well you're there for a reason so make sure that you bring your value to the table so great advice so, Claude, this was a great conversation. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and everything that you do?
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I post a lot on LinkedIn. I post a lot on Twitter and Instagram. And I get back to everyone that writes me. It might take me a little bit of time, but I appreciate
0: people reaching out. So find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Follow Yap on Instagram at Young and Profiting, and check us out at youngandprofiting.com. And now you can chat live with us every single day on Yap Society on Slack. Check out our show notes or youngandprofiting.com for the registration link. You can find me on Instagram at Yap with Hala or LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Hala Taha big thanks to the Yap team for another successful episode this episode on yap i'd like to thank everyone who contributes to yap society on slack to make it a buzzing community elliot ari tank michael b Mikkel, jamie antonetta sebastian and while i can't list all of you given the time i do greatly appreciate each and every one of you thank you and see you on slack this is hala signing off